Friends, this morning, um, we are in a series called Disconnected, and the series about Disconnected is about relationships, how we have gone from a, a season of being disconnected, and our desire and the desire of God for you, for us, as a church, is to be reconnected. And so as a church, we are really intentional about this, um, and if and it's something we've been doing for the last few weeks, and we've heard incredible stories about people reconnecting and getting to know each other. And so the way that we do this is we're going to take the next five minutes. Um, we're going to encourage you to go grab some uh, pastries, some coffee, uh, some water. There's some fruit in the back. Um, but we want you more than just to grab that. It's a fine, intentional time to talk to one another, to get to know each other, to greet one another. And the way we like help uh, do that is going to be a little more controversial today. We've had some nice softball ones. Uh, um, but this one today is, um, we're talk- talking about conflict, is what is one of your pet peeves? What is one of your pet peeves? And the, and the rule for today is, is that mothers get to go first. Um, so take the next five minutes. We'll see you back in a little bit. One of the things that we love about this series is that this series was created by all of our students. So uh, before, like uh, a couple months ago or... Um, we, and Mark and I, uh, who's our associate and runs um, our youth program, um, we asked the students uh, from 6th grade to 12th grade, what, if you wanted to talk about relationships, what is like most pressing on your heart? And we've uh, talked a lot about different things. We've talked about trust. We've talked about being connected. Um, and this week, one of the things that we talked about, empathy, uh, and how do we have empathy with one another. And so all these are relational um, conversations. And this week, one of the things that came up quite consistently in different ways, um, whether it's with peers, siblings, um, teachers, um, parents, <laughs> parents, um, is this question. How do I navigate conflict with people? Like, how do I deal with conflict with my peers? How do I deal with conflict with my parents, teachers, siblings? And so conflict is something that is on the radar of all of our students, and I would say even more so. These are our radar, and the one thing that we know is true is that with conflict comes this disconnection. Um, but we want to talk about this morning, our big idea that we want to send you home with and we want to talk all about is that the belief that when conflict arises... In the body of Christ, we seek resolution. Like, so that is the thing that we're talking about this morning. We're talking about how the body of Christ, how Jesus, in talking to the disciples, the twelve, when he was talking to them and saying, this is how you deal with conflict in the way that Jesus used sin in the body of Christ. And so I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 18. Um, This is starting in verse 15. This is where Jesus is talking to his disciples about what does it look like to deal with conflict and sin in the church. So this is what we're going to talk about this morning. So if you have a Bible in front of you, whether it's physical or digital, or you can follow us along on the screen. This is what it says. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault. Just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along. So that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as if you would a pagan or a tax collector. Truly, I tell you that whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. 
So this morning, when we're talking about conflict, I want to be very clear. We're not talking about conflict um, in every manner and every space. We're talking about conflict, but we're also talking about what does it look like when there's sin, which is the thing that disconnects us between us and God, but then us and each other, and how we as the church should deal with it. And I'm going to say this right away. Everything that I'm saying might not be the truth of how we actually deal with it in the church. And you might be here, sitting here wondering, uh, you might be new to Pine Lake, you might be new to church, you might be saying like, ooh, this is going to be a hot topic, uh, and it's not what I see in the church. I want you to give full, like, breath and witness to saying, yes, we mess this up all the time. And But we look at Jesus, and when we are disciples of Jesus, we're not aiming for just a little bit better. We're aiming for the center, we're aiming for what Jesus is asking to us, but often what we know is we miss up and to the right, up and to the left. All the time. But when it comes to conflict, we need to be people who go directly to one another. Like, the the text is really clear. That says when you have a problem with your brother or sister, it says go and point out their fault. Go directly with the person in whom you are in conflict with. And I think this is really important within the church because I can tell you one thing. This is not what happens. I have a story, and this even happens in my life. I was getting married in um, 2007, and that summer my best friend was getting married as well, a college roommate, best friend, and I was helping him move into his apartment in preparation for where they were going to live. And in moving all their stuff, it was just me, his wife, his uh, future wife, and him, and we were moving all the boxes out of the thing, and then I was responsible for this one box um, that had um, one of his, uh, the bathroom utensils. And so in that bathroom utensils, I put it down, and you know me, I just like, I'm going to put it down on all the boxes, but it wasn't teetering, and you like look at it, and you're like, I should probably move that. But as a man, I'm like, it'll be okay, right? <laughs> it falls. And what falls in there is not just like um, toothbrushes, but it's his electric shaver that he had just bought, right? His brawn, like expensive uh, shaver. And I like looked at it and I was like, <gasps> I'm a college student who just graduated, is about to go to seminary, don't got a lot of money. And so what do I do? I just like try to put it back together and just shove it back in the box. Right? And then we keep moving everything in. And then we go to his wedding. He gets married. And then we go and we're um, in Chicago and we're going to celebrate um, my wedding in the city with my friends before we go out to Connecticut to get married. And we're about, we're at this restaurant and we're with all of my um, uh, groomsmen and my brother and a couple other friends. And he's like, Austin, here, come here. And so we go away from the whole party. We sit down at this empty booth and he looks at me and he says, Austin, I'm pissed at you. He used other words. But he goes, you're my best friend. And you broke my shaver. And I sheepishly like, what? She was like, Austin, there's nobody else there. Janine doesn't shave. And he was like, I want to celebrate you. But I'm pissed at you right now. And we need to reconcile before I go into the other room and begin to celebrate you. Begin to, like, tell great stories, laugh, and be with you. Because I can't laugh when there's this tension and conflict between us. And it was an amazing moment. My friend Aaron lived this out. Not because he was a pastor's kid, but because he really believed that this is the way in which disciples should should do. Is that he... 
as the offended one moved first. How many often enough as, as disciples of Jesus, we are the one who has been offended and we stand like tree roots and dig in and tell the person who has offended us, come to us. Can I tell you right now, church? God's word, Jesus, says that you, if you have been offended, you move first. Disciples, you move first. You don't wait for the person who has, who has offended you to make like the conscience to be weighted heavy or for them to realize that they had done something wrong. You move first. You go to them. You have made the mistake, you have made the mistake, you, the mistake has been made to you. You are to be one that moves first. And I love this also part is that it says go directly. This doesn't mean go to your best friend first. Work it out. Get counsel and then go. Like, I understand that there's seasons that people are like, well, what if I need to like process that with my friend before I go and say something that might make it worse? I can understand that. But can we tell you the truth about it? We often go to talk to our best friend in order to gossip about it and then instead of seek counsel. The reason it says go directly is because we know our, our propensity to go and gossip about it first instead of deal with it directly. It's like going to a counselor this day because you want to work on your marriage, but you go to just throw your spouse under the bus and actually never do anything. At, after a, a season of time, the counselor will be like, why are you coming at me just to gossip instead of my job and my desire is for you to see you grow and heal? But you're just using me as a place to throw your spouse under the bus. As body of believers, as followers of Jesus Christ, we go first and we don't gossip. I love that one commentator said this. Is that when there's conflict between people, when there's sin that has broken your relationship with somebody else, you have two choices. You can go directly or you can drop it. That's it. And if you drop it, you need to be like Jesus and that it never actually happened so that when you interact with them, you're not having this rooted bitterness. But that's the thing that happens. When you don't go directly to them and you just say you drop it, what often is we don't drop it, but we take our brokenness and our shatteredness and we take it along to the next relationship that has to pick up our pieces because we have done what the opposite of Jesus has asked us to do. So let's say you go, and it's like it says in the, in the text. You go, and nothing happens. They don't hear you. This is what you do. is Instead of going, you went privately to them, and now you go with your posse. He says, take, take two or three. Take one or two with you, and go into that relationship. Go back with them, not to scorekeep, not to condemn, not to shift and cast blame, or not to be right. The reality is that in this text, when there's conflict between it, as disciples of Jesus, we're not in this game to win. There's no winning and losing parties. Right? In the body of Christ, when we have conflict, when there's sin between us, the thing that is the result, when it says in the text of Jesus, if he's heard you, you have won your brother or sister back then instead of taking them to court to get some type of financial, like, you know, penance from them because of the harm and ca- that they've caused you, the reality is, disciples of Jesus, is that we go to bring a resolution because we don't want anything more than the reestablished, connected relationship that we had with them before. 
That is more than enough. And so we go with two or three, not to just say, hey, I have my boys and my girls and my gals, and we're going to go and we're going to prove to you that you were wrong. We're going to hear out. We're going to sit together and you're going to tell your side of the story. I'm going to tell my side of the story that these people who have come is here to be wise counsel, to um, keep a, a record of what's going on in order that the relationship might be connected. The point of this, of gathering two or three together in the church, is for the point of reconciliation. It's not for you to bring up and be like, hey guys, I did it with Jesus' way and shame entered the building because I was right and they were wrong. I'm the, I'm the chief of this too, right? I want a scorekeep. I want to have a scoreboard that says I'm more right than I am more wrong. But the point of this is the bringing together of reconciliation is so that we might be reconnected. And I love the part where he says, if you go directly and they don't hear, you're not off the hook. Well, I did what I was supposed to do and they didn't listen. What value to the relationship of the body of Christ if you just go once and then you give up? How many relationships have we had and we've been offended and we felt hurt and instead of going directly, but even if we went directly, we tried it once and they didn't hear us and so we left. And this is why when the world looks at Christianity and the world looks at the body of believers and the Christ and the body of Christ, they say, I don't see any difference between how you treat one another and deal with conflict and sin and the rest of the world does. We have to be different. We have to look at the word of God and say, this is what Jesus' word, and if you want, my Bible has red letters. This is Jesus' words. If you don't believe me, just go sit in this for a week. This is how we're supposed to deal with conflict in the body of Christ. That if you've got a problem with Mark or Nancy, don't come and talk to me about it. Go talk to them. And then if they're stubborn fools, come to me. Bring me along. And I'll gladly sit there with my coffee and be like, ooh, this is good. Let's all spill the tea. Love it. But this is the way that we're supposed to operate. So that when we sit together, we don't just say like, mm, you hurt me, now I'm going to be gone. Hurt people then go and hurt people. So for us, church, what does that mean? That if we are to operate different, and this is what I'm challenging you to, this is what I'm challenging me to today, is that here from this moment on, that we've heard the word of God spoken to us, and you know clearly what it says, we begin to operate different. Not so that we can put some um, pats on our own backs and say we're different or we got the best understanding of what it looks like to follow Jesus, so that he can get the glory. That he can do what only he can do that can build back relationships that are severed, that are broken. And instead of seeing the habitual uh, act of leaving, there's a habitual act of staying. Because the truth is, what for us in the body of Christ is that resolution and reconciliation need to become the norm, not the outlier. How often I have seen in the body of Christ that the, the 
disconnection, the severed relationships is the norm instead of the cultural reality. Is that Christ is saying that in here, the way we deal with sin with one another and with conflict in the body of Christ, should the norm should be that you go to one another and that there's reconciliation that happens amongst the body of Christ. Because when, you, when reconciliation is the outlier, it's broken people who remain broken. And we take our brokenness and then we break other people. Because we put ourselves out of the proximity of the one who has hurt us, who is the one that can begin to heal the broken places. If it's an outlier, it means that if reconciliation is an outlier, it means that the reconciliation that happens only happened to those people who are really worth it. And who have value. Who are deserving or worthy of reconciliation. That you're saying that your value, your perception on them outweighs the perception of what God sees you and you together in forming a reconciliation. It means that only certain populations, situations, or sins get dealt with. And it's the reality that we believe that Jesus didn't reconcile with all people, but with only a few. Because that's what we believe. If reconciliation is an outlier, we say that Jesus didn't die for all people, just certain people. Jesus doesn't want a reconciliation in the body of all people. He just wants some people. But if reconciliation is the norm, then reconciliation is the mission of God for all people. That starts first in the church and then goes out into the world. That we work on what conflict looks like in the body of Christ so that when we learn how to do this well, then we learn how to take it outside of the body because we're doing it well inside first. That the body of Christ is nothing but to bear witness to the way and to the glory of Jesus Christ in this world and the way that it operates for the glory of Christ forever and ever. If it's the norm, it means that the God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit have operational authority in your life. How many of you come to conflict and you operate on a different software programming than the one that's wired within you in the name of Jesus Christ? You substitute the operation for one for the other. If it's the norm, then we are going to see more people healed and participating in the healing of others than broken people becoming broken people who break people. If it's the norm, you will see the process of the church being healed together. In the process of healing, not saying that it's complete, not saying that one conversation finishes everything, but again, the process which allows the Holy Spirit to do the work that you're doing with the other person in order that you might be re connected when is the norm reconciliation healing reconnecting becoming one body who believes in the value of the other as much as the value of themselves church 
This is the call of conflict. Students, this is the call of conflict in your life, is that when you have it with peers, when you have it with teachers, when you have it with adults, um, parents, when you have it with pastors, the reality is, is that this is our operation model. This is the model of Jesus. And I'm telling you right now, if you're looking and saying, yeah, it's not the way that we act, I know. But let this be true. But Paul writes to the Roman church. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. He's writing this to the church. As far as it is possible, depending on you, remain at peace within it. Like that word peace is that there's conflict and that in that conflict, we are seeking after peace. We're seeking after being reconnected, reconciliation, not by our own power, but through the power of Jesus Christ, through the power of the spirit, so that the body might be what he talked about in Romans, one body with many parts who are uniquely valued, loved, and welcomed in the body of Christ. He's not saying that there will be no conflict. Trust me, there will be conflict. And how we do conflict in the church will bear witness to the glory of Christ or to our obstinance to do it our way. I'm saying this in sibling relationships. I'm saying this in parental relationships. I'm saying this in working relationships. We practice it here. We live it out here so that the world will say, you are different. You look like the Christ for which Jesus is. This is us. This is who we are. And as far as it is, depends on us at Pine Lake, today is the day. Today is the day that we begin to live out this this chapter, this text. That when we have conflict with one another, what I want to see is not an exodus, but a staying together. Because we are better with you than without you. Pray. Let us pray. Father, we have to acknowledge... There are many in this room, and there's many that are not in this room, that are hurt and have left because the body of Christ has not responded to the way that we are supposed to respond to your word. God, you have clearly said how we're supposed to deal with this. And we have replied with no. And so, God, I stand here in repentance for my own way that I have said no. The only way that I have fallen short and not lived in the way that you have called me to. The one who has not moved first. So God, we sit here in full repentance. But I speak for myself, but I speak for Pine Lake. For all those that are sitting in this room and haven't, are no longer sitting here, God, we ask for forgiveness in the ways that we have hurt you. God, and may you stir a holy uprising in our hearts that if there is conflict still within us, that you would allow us to move 
heal broken relationships, to be committed to one another. God, whatever needs to happen over this next season, for healing to begin, God, I pray that we would be committed to your way and your way only. Holy Spirit, speak to us. What are you wanting to say to us this morning? What are you whispering in the midst of a loud, boisterous world? What healing needs to begin today and not put off to tomorrow? What story needs to be rewritten in our lives? that changes the narrative of the one we've been living. Father, would you come and do what only you can do? Taking a rebel person's heart and restoring it back into relationship with you so that we might be restored to one another. We ask this in your name. Amen.